All right. So long time no see. Um, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 10, if you want to turn there. Uh, so again, if you didn't hear a minute ago or you stepped out, uh, my name is Matt Taylor. I'm the interim executive pastor, and it's my privilege to get to bring the word today. Um, and there's so much in 10 and 11 that I would love to go through. Uh, there's so much diving we could do. We could go in depth and we could be here all day. But yet, because we have a commitment, I made a commitment to my wife that we would, I would not preach forever today so that we can make sure we have our Anderson's fifth birthday party on time at four o'clock, five o'clock, whatever that is. So, uh, <clears throat> so as we think about, as we think about this today, uh, have you ever have you ever renewed a commitment or an agreement? Right, think about that for a second. Kind of a renew, a recommit to something. So as a, as a believer, God called me early high school, right? So still, he had a lot of work to do on me as an early high school student. And there was a lot of shaping, a lot of sanctifying that God was trying to do on me. And I was stubborn and I didn't like to listen very much, uh, especially when he was trying to make things different for me than what everybody else was doing. Well, over the next few years, um, the Lord was working on my life, and I got to about 1920-ish. Well, what happened, I ended up one summer moving in with some friends from high school, uh, and those were not the friends that I should have been moving in with and, and staying with because they were living in the world and of the world, doing lots of things that I knew I shouldn't have done. I saw it as an opportunity that I could minister to these guys, and one of the guys was, was there actually the day that, um, man, we, well, I surrendered my life to the Lord. He was with me that day, um, but he kind of decided to go a different route. Well, <clears throat> as that happened, uh, I began to do things that I shouldn't have done. And then God used something from one of my best friends still to this day to hurt me in a way that changed my life. He said he didn't want to be around me. Because he was living for the Lord, he was doing what he was called to do. He was in that, that summer, he was serving in some different youth camps all over the country, uh, telling people about the Lord, um, helping people to, to grow in their faith and to be discipled. And for, for me, I was not. So as that happened, God used that moment to shake me up. He used that moment to help me to understand I needed to really recommit to an understanding of who he was, this, this holy God that I served, that I said to all these people that I was serving, that I said to my own self in my heart and in my mind, this is a mighty God and I want to serve him, but I, I chose different things. And so there was this time of recommitment. And that's, that's really uh, kind of what leads into chapter 10 today. So think about it with me, short version of Nehemiah 1 through 9, just to give you that kind of catch up. Nehemiah felt this burden to see the wall of Jerusalem rebuilt, and the Lord provided for all the needs, uh, even taking care of the opposition um, when there's some things that came up. And then uh, I was reading from uh, James Hamilton Jr. He described it like this, uh, chapters 1 through 6 are the building of the wall, and 7 through 13 is the building of the people. So right now we're in the section of building the people, right? And as we saw in 9, uh, the last two weeks as Pastor Sam and, and CJ went through, uh, there was fasting, there was confession, uh, separation from the world. They were reading the law for a fourth of the day. They spent reading through uh, uh, the law Mos the, that Moses had written and that God had given him. And there was another quarter of the day that was to confession and worship and prayer. And so this example that's set in Nehemiah is 
uh, prayer and then action. So that's where we get at the, at the end of 9. We get some prayer and then some action. So I want to dive into verse 38 real quick first because it's where this covenant really starts. Because of all this, so all of chapter 9, right in context, we made a firm covenant in writing on the sealed documents. Uh, on the sealed documents are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. So they recommitted as a group to follow after the Lord, right? As a group. It's, it's we. We got this first person plural um, going all throughout here uh, in chapter 10. Because we are doing this together. We have decided as, as the followers of the God that we are going to do this together. We're going to make this binding agreement and this covenant. So a covenant, right, is an agreement between two parties that specifies requirements for at least one party and includes blessings and curses for obedience or failure. Well, as we just heard, and we think through chapter 9, well, they sat through about a quarter of the day, right, reading through God's law. Well, part of God's law was in Numbers uh, chapter 30, um, and it says, 30, and I forgot to mark this one, uh, Numbers 30, 1 and 2, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, this is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So this is, there was this reminder as they went through and they were praying and they were worshiping and they were hearing the, the law read in chapter 9, they get to this point that they know there's prayer and then there's action. They needed to make this covenant. They chose to do this. They chose to recommit themselves to the Lord because they saw how their fathers had been and their father's fathers and how they were even, and they decided enough is enough. We are going to follow the Lord. We're not just going to say that. We're going to do it. We're going to put some action to this as well because they were reminded that who it was that they were making this covenant to, right? They were reminded that there was this gracious, merciful God. He's great and mighty. I'm reading out of 9 verses uh, 31 and 32. The great, the mighty, the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. They're reminded who this God is, that he is holy, that he is worthy to be praised. And they're reminded too that he is, as John mentioned earlier, that he's alive and active. He's moving. It's not a dead God that they are serving. It's not some stone statue. It's, it's nothing like that. It is alive. God is alive. He is moving. And it's such a wonderful thing to think of that because also you've got this living God that also continues to keep his covenant with us. Right? He, he has kept it. When you go through the Old Testament and you look through and you read, how many, how many times have they failed? That's it. That's it. All of them. How many times have they not kept up their end of the deal? How often have they rebelled even? But God still continued to keep his covenant. Now, he, he worked in them and through them and, and shaped them and disciplined them and corrected them and taught them through all of this. And that's why it's awesome that as we think about this living, moving God um, that has always been, that in his sovereignty that he has this wonderful plan that he continues to work and move within us. Right? I mean, that is, that is something wonderful when we think about it, it is this God is alive and he has this sovereign plan. He is in control of all things, even in our failures, 
even in our rebellion. Because think about it, how many times have you rebelled against the Lord? How many times have you failed? And in that, we are fully dependent on who God is and keeping His covenant uh, because He's the only one who perfectly can. And when we think about that and we go deeper, it's a really humbling thought because when you think about it like this, you cannot do it yourself. There is nothing that we can do perfectly in that in that understanding to serve a holy and righteous God. We cannot work enough to make up for the things that we've done. And that's where we really let that soak in to see our need for who God is, our need for what God continues to do, and our, our then that, that draws us into wanting to serve Him, right? To wanting to be obedient. Because look at God and look how wonderful He is. He is mighty to, and, and worthy to be praised. And I'm not. But He still calls me to do that. He says, I love you enough. And He says that for all of us, right? He, he's drawing us into Himself. He wants us to have that relationship. And He's calling these people. He gave them an opportunity to repent, to turn still away from those things that their fathers had been doing, that they had even been doing. And He's calling them, and He's telling them to do this. And they, what do they do? I mean, they humble themselves and they say, God, I, I want to serve you because you are a mighty God. You are worthy to be praised. And he continues to work his perfect plan to provide us with this everlasting atonement through his son for our sin, for our disobedience, for our rebellion. Because Jesus does, for us, perfectly fulfill the law when we cannot. And so that that leads us into then chapter 10. So that was all pre-work. Okay, we're in chapter 10, 1 through 27. You have these leaders' signatures, right? And I know all of you are super excited to hear me read all 84 names, right? Yeah, that's not going to happen. So I would encourage you to read that, practice that as a family. That can be your homework. Um, Read that together uh, that Matt told you to do that. But what I want to point out in here is these are the names of people, imperfect people that have decided to commit themselves, to recommit themselves to serving the Lord, to making this firm covenant with Him. They committed to the point of what? Having, as it says in 9, that their names were sealed on the documents. So these names, there's a lot of names, so this seal must have been pretty big. Um, There's a lot of names that are etched on this, but these are the people that knew what they were getting into, right? When your name starts getting etched on there or you're doing it yourself, you, you know what's happening, you know what you're committing to at that point because their families were seeing these, their kids, they knew their grandkids, they knew people after that, their grandkids, grandkids, you know, all those kids. Um, They knew that the people were going to be seeing this, but they ultimately knew that they were doing this before the Lord. They were making this commitment to God and they were committed to lead by example. These are people that, though they're imperfect, that you want to follow after because they are not ashamed to put their names down, that we are going to follow the Lord together. And when they say we, that's the kind of leader you want because you want to follow that kind. And so it gives you this this great example of this commitment to lead by example. As I was 
putting this together and reading over the last couple weeks, you know, what did we, what holiday did we just celebrate? We celebrated uh, Independence Day. And so it did make me think of the Declaration of Independence and how those, those the men that signed on there, you, you knew what they were getting into. They all knew what they were signing and doing, that they were loyal to this. Um, you, there was no question of what they were doing. <clears throat> they were putting their names down to sign and us still reading that, you know, a couple hundred years later. The same thing with, with this, that these names are on here and we're having this um, hundreds and hundreds of years later that it's still there and we're still able to read it, though when I say we, I mean you all reading it with your families, um, one, through tw- 1 through 27 there. <clears throat> but it, it's a signed contract, right? There's this commitment. So when we moved here, that was the first time I've ever bought a house, right? So I'd lived in a church parsonage before that. I'd lived in uh, apartments before that even, and then lived in my parents' house. And <clears throat> within all of that, I never knew there were so many pages you had to sign when you signed a contract for buying a house, right? I did not think she was ever going to quit flipping pages um, for me to sign. And, <clears throat> but the thing is, you know what you're doing at that point. You know where you're signing into. You're, you get excited, and uh, there's no question that you have fully committed with all 800 signatures um, to buying that house. And so for these, uh, for all of us, um, we think about the commitments that we have and even when, we, when it comes to any kind of commitment that you sign up for, you know, you think about those. But another commitment that's pretty strong is when you join a local church, right? There's a lot of this, this understanding right here that it's the we, it's the body, uh, the, the group, right? This, this understanding. And they're coming together to do this. And it's like when you sign uh, a church membership or a church covenant that you, you're putting your name down. To say, I'm, I'm loyal and I'm, I'm with these people in serving unto the Lord and, and doing these things together. And so there's, there, there is a reason, um, and an important reason, to <clears throat> be a part of a church, a member in a local church. Because there's accountability back and forth, right? There's this understanding that we're going to work together and we're going to, we're going to hold each other accountable to growing and to uh, being a part of doing the ministry of taking the good news of Jesus Christ out to the world and also not just outside the world, but in here and us growing together and being sanctified by his word. And so there's an importance in that. And when we think about all those leaders, we think about just a, an understanding of good leadership. What, what would that look like if we did that in our families, in our homes, uh, with our friends, at work. If we were the kind of people that um, we committed and everyone knew that we were followers of Christ and they saw something different. By standing up for God, for standing up for His greatness, for His word, knowing that he is sufficient for us, his word is sufficient for what we need. What would that look like if we started doing that today? And maybe this is that time for somebody to step up, for somebody in here that's hearing, or hearing online, that's watching. Uh, it's time to step up and recommit, make that commitment, just like these people are doing, um, that they're saying, I'm not ashamed to stand up and to stand for the Lord. It's an important thing to do.
So <clears throat> our communities would be different, right? Our neighborhoods. I, I got some really humbling slash encouraging um, news from a neighbor this past week. Because we need to remember that people are paying attention to what we're doing, right? And, and we're pointing towards something. We're pointing towards who it is that we say we're following after, or what kind of ideals, what kind of ethics, and people are paying attention to that. And we need to know that <clears throat> each morning, God grants us with another opportunity to serve Him, right? His mercies are new each morning. Praise God for that. Because each morning, this morning, I get to wake up and say, okay, Lord, you called me to do this. I, I know I'm imperfect. I'm not a perfect leader. I have sinned before you, before a holy and righteous God in my life. I surrender all to you, just like the song said. I need you to speak today because I, I know who I am. And it's a very humbling thought because then God says, I also know who you are, Matt. And I've called you to be my child. And I've called you to make my name known, and I'm asking you to be obedient to that and know that I will use you for that purpose, right? Each and every one of us has that exact same calling. As we are followers of Christ, as we follow after the Lord, we are examples and we can be leaders of just being obedient to sharing that news, to sharing even just how great God is. He's worth serving. He's worth giving up everything in the world because uh, he gives us everything way more than we deserve. And so we get to this point <clears throat> in Nehemiah 28 and 29, and we read it earlier, but this section of that, that commitment to obedience, because it says, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding. Join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his rules and his statutes. So we look at it, <clears throat> we see first, they, what, they separate themselves from the, from the peoples of the lands to the law of God. Right, they're pulling themselves out from all the rest of those that have been around them um, that are not serving the Lord, and they want to go to the law of God, to the Lord. And second, they enter into this curse and an oath to walk in God's laws and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord in His rules and statutes. So, right, we, <clears throat> we think through, they're cut to the heart after hearing God's word, hearing about how wonderful God is and how they are not holy, that they are not righteous, they are not just, and they are, they are serving a God who is. So it humbles them to the point that they do these things, that they say this. They spent that other quarter of the day, what, in confession and worship to the Lord their God? They were humbled to that point. And it makes me think about, again, this prayer and action that's throughout this book. And when was the last time we sat ourselves, each one of us individually, we sat there for a moment and we paid attention to how good God is, how holy God is, how separate from us, right? And where we are as His creation, as as, his, as those made in the image of God, though, too. 
but yet in our rebellion that we're separate from him because of that sin. But how God still loves us enough to continue in his plan to provide for us, to give us that way out. And so when was the last time we sat like that? When was the last time, the last time we allowed God's word to really cut deep, to spend time in it, to spend time meditating on it, studying it, allowing God to shape us, allowing his word to reveal in us this Holy Spirit working uh, and, and moving within us to stir us to an understanding of a need for change, a need for sanctification, right? This is process of change, but a great change. And is there something that we need to prayerfully seek the Lord's forgiveness about right now? Or something that we, that you need to surrender all to him, that you need to give over to him, and that the Holy Spirit's been kind of moving within you this, this understanding of this, man, Lord, I'm, I'm, I've been struggling with these things, and I, I know that I need to give all of this to you, or I know I need to do the things that you're calling me to do. I just kind of want to be over here still. I want, I want a little bit of my own. But God is saying, just like with, within here, for us to see that we need Him, and we need to surrender all to Him. We need to give all of what we are and allow that recommitment to happen. And notice they were, again, doing this together, right? It's all these people, the priests and the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves. It even talks about their wives and their, their sons and their daughters and all who have knowledge. You know, they join with their brothers and their nobles entering into this. And you'll see as we keep going through that it's we are doing this together. You know, it's, it reminds me of, right, we're, we're going through Nehemiah as a church. We're talking about this rising up and build. You know, the church is really focusing and, and spending time in prayer. God, where do you want us to be? What are the things that we need to be as a church? And who are we? And who, do, who is it that we serve? What a mighty God that is we serve. And how is it... Um, concretely that we can start to do the things that you want us to do, right? So we're doing these things, we're praying through them, and now we're starting to put some action to that as well, just like what Nia and I was talking about. We got these uh, focus teams that we're working through, and we're trying to spend time in prayer together, um, studying his word, and, and looking at and using gifts, different people's gifts, to, to see, God, where is it that you want us as a church body? Where can we, where are we going? And Within that, though, too, asking the Lord, each one of us, what is our part in that? What is your part in helping fellowship get to where it needs to be? And getting God's name out and about and his great name known. And how is it your part or what part is it that you need to play in, dis in discipling others? Is it your family that you're supposed to be focusing on right now? Is it somebody specific that God has called you to that's been placing in your life and you felt that burden, but you just haven't taken that step yet or some of those actions? What is it? And then notice that they, they knew they needed to separate themselves from the people of the land, right? Um, it was vital for them, as it talks about this separation, talks about it in 9, talks about it in 10, 10 that they separated themselves from these things. Um, 
because they wanted to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And it makes me think about um, 1 John chapter 2, uh, 15 and 7, 15, excuse me, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We can become so enticed sometimes, right, by the, the things of the world. Um, it draws us away. It, it uh, is distracting us and becomes an idol. Um, it makes me think of, <clears throat> if you've ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress, there's two parts in it that it made me think of. One was you've got Christian going on his journey. Christian's that main protagonist, right? Uh, he's going on his journey, and we've got a Mr. Worldly Wise Man that comes up. And it's trying to show Christian which path to take. And it's like a gold path and some other paths. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. But there's some different paths, but they're worldly. And he's trying to get Christian to walk down those. Um, there's another part uh, when they go to, <coughs> Christian is friend hopeful, they go to um, the town of Vanity Fair. Right, and there's like vain, everything that you could want to do is there. They're having all this fun, quote unquote, and they're doing all these things <coughs> and they're trying to get everybody to, to have enough fun where then you're stuck in Vanity Fair um, because it's vain things of the world. And it gave me that, that, that mindset of how the world is trying to draw us in to keep us stuck and how Satan actually does that too. And he uses the, the things that our flesh is drawn to. Um, but praise God, he is working. God is working in us to call us away from those things. But those made me think as well that <clears throat> in the world, as we look around, we see the brokenness in the world, right? We can all totally agree about that. We can agree about that with many people, even unbelievers, that there is a lot of brokenness in this world. But as Christians, something that we can constantly think about each day is this is not where we're going to be forever. Our forever home is with the Lord where there's no sin, there's no um, death, there's no uh, hurt, no pain, no brokenness. But do we, do we constantly get kind of worn down with the things of the world or, or our enticements of the flesh or things of that nature and we forget that we are going to spend forever and ever with this God that we're describing, that we're talking about, this holy, this righteous God that we get to spend eternity with. And how often are we taking that joy that we can think about within that and telling other people about it? And we might need a recommitment to doing that as well. So then, verses 30 through 39, we get into the details of this vow. Right? So, um, <clears throat> I'm going to let you read that as well uh, with your family. And because there's so much I want to cover, again, I told you that earlier, there's so much I'd love to dive into, um, but yeah, we can't spend a quarter of the day uh, up here right now, because I, I would I have to break my commitment then to my wife. So, there's four parts within here. <clears throat> 
that they, that they detail out in this vow to the Lord, right? They made this covenant with. You've got one, avoiding these intermarriages. Two, keeping the Sabbath and the sabbatical year. Uh, and uh, three is uh, supporting the temple financially. Um, and so <clears throat> what there is, is you'll notice, there's a lot of we's. We will not give our daughters um, in verse 30. And we will not buy from the people that bring and come in on the Sabbath day. Uh, we will not forgo the crops of the seventh year. We also take on ourselves these obligations to give. And we, the priests and the Levites and all the people, having uh, to give to the wood offering. And we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground. Um, They're committing these things together. And it's kind of broken down into family, Sabbath, and then uh, this giving. Right? So with the family that they're ordering their family to follow after God, right? They had to separate themselves. They didn't want to enter, do any intermarriages uh, between <clears throat> the people of the land because the people of the land weren't serving God. They were serving their own little gods, uh, little G. Um, and they were doing those things. And so as they uh, are making this commitment not to give their, their daughters to any of the sons of the, wor- of the peoples of the land or take in daughters from the people of the land to be the wives of their their sons, they want to make sure that they're keeping themselves uh, really from being intimate with the people devoted to the world because they were devoting themselves to God, right? They were separating themselves to the point of, we're not even going to enter marriage over here because we have seen, they have experience of that. They've seen what that kind of thing does. After hearing the reading of the law, they've, they've, they've heard it from the Lord, and they've also seen the things in their lives that, uh, that are drawing them away from God. So as they're looking at those things, um, <clears throat> they knew and they had experience of this and what it does and how it draws away, how the family uh, is, is oriented, can either serve the Lord and point us to God and His goodness, or it can do something else and pull away. So when we think about that too, of this family, what, what is it about your family that makes you stick out? You know, do you have something special? Um, are there <clears throat> things y'all like to do together on different holidays? Or you've made up your own little things that you like to do for the summer? Um, what makes it special? What makes your family special? But then also, what makes your family different from the rest of the world? What do you do in your family that others are like, hey, that's different. Where's that come from? What's that for? How come you do it like that? Maybe what's different about you right in your neighborhood, your family? What's uh, different about the way people see how your family is with your coworkers uh, or people you go to school with or um, fill in the blank? Well, something that <clears throat> for, for me and for, uh, for my family um, that I noticed and, and one of the main reasons, not main, but a bigger reason why we're still here is because we have seen so many families that are like that here at Fellowship, um, that are different. There's something different going on in their lives, and that God is, is working within their family, and, and it shows they're not perfect, but, but it shows that they're different. They don't want to live like the world. They want to live for the Lord. And <clears throat> I love seeing those things in these families and hearing things uh, about the, the examples that some of these families are setting because it holds me accountable to what kind of example is my family setting. 
And so I could say thank you to all of you that are setting that example for me. And I appreciate that. Um, then we get into second, uh, uh, this understanding of the Sabbath. So there's this aspect of, of faith in the Lord when you think of Sabbath because they were giving up uh, time and resting, uh, giving up time from working and resting in the Lord, right? And we, we think about <clears throat> within this that, uh, sorry, I had to get to my spot. <laughs> They're not doing these things on the normal Sabbath day. They're also saying that they are, uh, um, and we will forego the crops of the seventh year. And the third part, actually, of this is the exaction of every debt. So the canceling of every debt as a part of that seventh year. So there's this, uh, uh, this understanding that God will provide for us, and we're stepping out on faith. Um, we're going to spend some time in rest unto the Lord, but also uh, it, is, it is an aspect of faith where it's like, okay, Lord, um, you're going to have to provide for this, especially when you think of this, uh, this section of the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt, right? That forgiveness of, uh, of debt. So they get to this seventh year, <clears throat> and as I was studying and as I was reading, um, one of the commentators pointed out that there's this aspect of faith here because they're saying, okay, for that year, we know, Lord, you're going to provide. Well, it's not just that year, right? When you think about that, that means the year before, there, there's got to be enough for past that next year. So there's a, an aspect of faith that God's going to provide that year before that sixth year. Well, then when you think about farming, right? I don't do a whole lot of farming. I'm not very good at our house with the, that part. Christy does a better job um, with vegetables and things of that nature. Um, uh, and so I'm still learning, but I'm thinking about this too. And in that, that commentary I was reading, uh, that next year they're having to plant, right? They're not planting during that whole year. Well, well, then that next year they're having to plant. So there's like a, there's like a long amount of time that they're not planting in the ground. And so there's this, this faith aspect of trusting in the Lord and what he's doing there. And then the, the, uh, the debt that's being for, uh, forgiven, um, they're wiping away that debt uh, for those that are in, in debt. How many times can you say debt? Um, so there's this aspect here where they're saying, okay, Lord, we're, we're asking that you provide us with what we're owed from others. And we're showing that aspect of forgiveness to those, just like God has forgiven us much, um, that they are forgiving some as, as well during that time. So <clears throat> it made me think about their, their commitment to trust. Um, and uh, that, that commentary that I had read, uh, James Hamilton, he said, too, that the issue with the Sabbath is not the uh, fulfillment of legalistic duties of or the avoidance of certain activities, that's not the point. The point uh, is to be those who trust in Christ and those who rest in, in Christ. So putting our trust in Christ and our rest in who Christ is for us today. Because we think about with the New Testament, Romans 14, uh, 5 and 6, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 3, and Colossians 2. And so he was diving into those as, as well as a part of this. And so what would it look like for us if we really took that time to trust and rest in Christ? We're so busy, right? <sighs> we got stuff to do, right? So, you know, I, <clears throat> I have been going to school, some of my master's, 
and I've been working part-time here at the church, and I, I technically have another part-time job as well, right? So I can use my excuse and justification all the time for it's, I'm super busy, I got all these other things I need to do, but yet I don't get to do that. God has told me that, very, made it very clear that I don't get to use that as my excuse and my justification um, because of how busy I am <clears throat> not to spend time in trusting what he's doing and rest in what he's doing. So we're never, uh, we are so busy, but he's calling us to spend that time in rest and trust in him. So I can't tell you how many times that, uh, that he has definitely knocked that idol down in my life. And is he doing that for you? Has he ever done that for you? Have you ever spent time looking at your schedule uh, and what your time is spent on? And then scheduling in, making sure that you spend that time in rest, in coming uh, together of hearing who God is and growing your faith. So then we get to this aspect, too, of giving. We got this point of giving, um, that they're pledging to give to the temple for the purpose of, of being with God and worshiping Him. So all of these, <clears throat> these next, uh, these verses, verse, uh, excuse me, 34 uh, through, nope, 32 through 39. Excuse me, read the wrong number. 32 through 39 is all about this supporting the ministry done at the temple. Um, so there's an aspect of giving. So just so you hear, we're talking about giving right now. Okay, it's in the text. That's what I told. We had our uh, finance team uh, focus group, focus team this past week. And we were talking about some different things and, and how it is uh, in many churches uh, difficult for people that get up and talk about giving. Um, but what's nice is when you go exegetically or go through Scripture, uh, it's in there, right? You don't get to skip over those things when you're, when you're teaching through. And so I made that comment that it was, that giving was in the text uh, for this Sunday. So when we think about this giving, <clears throat> we also look at and we think through, uh, for them, they're vowing these different things, right? So they're going to give yearly this uh, third part of a shekel for the service. Um, they're also casting lots and doing for the wood offering uh, to bring in the house of the Lord to allow it to burn on the altar, right? It's, it's supposed to have a continuous burn. Um, so wood, so we'd all be paying a lot right now um, if we were given a lot of wood, paying for wood, <coughs> um, the prices of wood right now. And they were also bringing uh, the first fruits of the ground, right? Again, it's the first fruits. It's not the leftovers. Uh, it's the, the beginning, uh, the good stuff that they wanted to make sure that they're giving unto the Lord and bringing into the temple. Um, they're dedicating themse themselves to the tithes of, from the ground. Uh, they're doing all of this that they have as a church body, as, as a body, excuse me, it didn't say church, uh, as a body of people that we will also give to what the Lord's doing. We are going to give because God has given us these things, and it is a blessing, and we want to be obedient to what the things of the Lord uh, has, the Lord, excuse me, has called us to give and to do. And so we're, we're going to be there with that, and we're going to commit and follow through. And so for us in the, in the New Testament, we see, um, you know, there's, there's not a temple anymore, right? We're the, we're the body of Christ that the uh, Scripture talks about that we are the temple, uh, and so many scriptures that are pointing to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. We got 1 Corinthians 9, we got 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 9, 
uh, Galatians 6, you've got 1 Timothy 5. Um, we're looking at <clears throat> how in all of those, there's this uh, understanding of supporting these ministries, right? So, so giving to what the Lord is doing. And so in our commitments, we have to look at um, one, of, one of the earliest things in disciple that I was discipled with, too, was somebody told me to look at my checkbook. Okay, yes, that was still then, um, that I had a checkbook, and that's how I balanced it. And they said to go back and look um, look at where your money goes, though, too. You know, I talked about a minute ago, look at your calendar and where your time goes. Well, also, look at where your money is, and that's, that's what uh, is important to you. Um, and so for me, I, as a you know, late teen, um, early 20s had to, had to come to an understanding of that and praying through what that looked like um, because it was a sacrifice, right? I didn't have much. And then it became uh, an understanding of what that sacrifice did and, and giving to what the Lord was calling me to give and then changing my heart even to be cheerful when I gave that and giving of my first fruits um, and <clears throat> looking at what we're doing. And so even as a church, you know, I mentioned that, that uh, finance team um, as a part of the five focus groups that we're looking at uh, giving and what that looks like. But it's, it's a call for all of us to look at that, um, to constantly ask the Lord what it is he's calling us to do with that what it is that he's calling us to give, and um, to pray through that, to spend time in prayer, and spend time in action, obediently doing the things he's called us to, because I challenge you to do that and see what the Lord does, right? Challenge you to do that and see what the Lord does. Um, and they have this ongoing commitment in all of these verses that they're recommitting to, right? This, this renewal, and so we think about this, and it's, what, what is God calling us to do? How is God calling us to serve, to serve Him outside these walls and inside these walls? What is the Lord calling us to kind of recommit to? You know, I mentioned a, a little bit ago in my Rise Up and Build testimony, you know, there's aspects that I'm still, I don't have all of those things concretely laid out. The Lord has not laid out all of that specifically for me while I'm going to school, what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I know I'm supposed to be using what, what I, knowledge I gain to serve the church in whatever ways that is, um, and that's going to be not on staff, right? I, I'm switching in that role at that point in the fall to really focusing on um, going to school. That's my job. And I'm trying to figure out how it is that the Lord wants me. And, and I don't know if you're like me. I, I like to know more than the Lord likes to reveal to me. Um, I like to know a few more steps ahead. I enjoy thinking about how chess works. And uh, I'd like to know a few moves ahead. But the Lord said, this is sufficient for you right now. Trust in me. Put your faith in me. Be obedient to what I'm calling you to do right now. And I'll take care of the rest. And as I was talking with Sam this week, uh, and we were looking at some things in the text, that he was reminding me, um, you know, where he, where he calls us, he also empowers us, right? And then I wrote it down because I thought it was funny. Because he said the old saying being, where he guides, he provides. And I thought that was funny. Y'all might not have thought it was as funny as I did. But 
The New Testament, uh, it repeatedly, constantly calls us to these, uh, these fresh commitments, right? This, this looking over our lives and, and making sure that we're following after what the Lord's called us to do. We look at Romans 6, verse 12, uh, Galatians 5. I'm just throwing these out to you so I don't have to read all of them. But <clears throat> Romans 6, Galatians 5, 1. We've got Ephesians 4, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. You get to Revelation. You look at the letters to Ephesus, to um, to the uh, church in Colossae. Uh, there's so much there, but we are repeatedly called to look at our lives and look for areas of growth, right? The sanctification process, looking, looking at where we need to change to be more like Christ. And they were aligning themselves in their life with God's word. And they were, that they should be doing something that we're doing something as well. That made sense. That didn't come out right. So <clears throat> they're constantly, they were committing themselves, recommitting themselves to the word and to following after that. And that's something that we have to constantly do each and every day of our lives, right? Constantly that, that uh, we get to those points where we're recommitting to, God, I know you called me to do this and I got distracted with this. I made this an idol. Um, I wanted to spend time over here and doing these things, and I've, I've technically, man, I, Lord, I've sinned, and I've fallen short because I'm not being obedient to what you're calling me to do. But praise God, he forgives us. And so what is it that he's calling us to do? Making sure that we're recommitted to that as a church body, right? As a we, but also as a me. Um, and then we get into chapter 11, and it goes into <clears throat> this repopulating Jerusalem, and I'm almost done. I'm not spending too much time in 11. Um, now, the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring out uh, uh, one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chief. Oh, excuse me. That's where I was going to stop. Uh, no, actually, no. Uh, these are the chiefs. I've got to read my own notes. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived in his own property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. So we talk about uh, in 10, there's these action steps, right? Well, 11 is a, a continuation of that. So they're repopulating the city. They're repopulating. They're committing themselves to keeping the covenant um, and then to taking these action steps towards repopulating Jerusalem. And you'll notice, too, that it talks about some of these, le some of these people as well, uh, that there was honor. Um, there was this understanding of an honoring of the people who willingly did this, right? That weren't called to um, be part of the casting of the lots, the one out of every ten. The people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. So people, again, are paying attention to those that are standing out, that are saying, you know what? I, I, I'm not ashamed of this. This is what we're supposed to be doing. I, I want to I follow after this. I want to follow in suit. And they're leading by example. Are we doing that? Are we leading by example? Are we following and seeing the things that the Lord wants us to do and stepping out on faith and allowing him to work in our lives to do that. So these people also, as we look at it, they're making this covenant. Did they keep it perfectly? No, 
and they recommitted again. Did they keep that one? No. No. They did not. We can, we can, uh, we can see consistently in here that there's this recommitment, that they, they make this covenant, and then they break it, and then they make it again, and they say, we'll do better, and then they aren't able to do it because they're not able to be perfect within this. They're not able to fulfill all of these uh, because we're a fallen people. And God knows that. And so then you keep flipping. And you keep flipping through the pages of Scripture. And you see how God constantly provides. And He draws us back to Himself. And He, he teaches us that there is something that we need to understand. It's not about what we do. It's about what He's done, doing, and is going to do. And we can see in Scripture that Christ, the Messiah, is the one to fulfill all of that perfectly. That we need this new covenant, right? We think about every time that we take uh, communion, the first of the month, right? We took that last, uh, last week. And Jesus is talking about uh, this is the blood of the new covenant, right, that I'm pouring out for you. We get to this point where we have to have this new covenant, and the new covenant fulfills the law perfectly, and it offers the ultimate atoning sacrifice once for all. And we read through the scriptures, and we see within this text that we must separate ourselves from the world. And we need to rise up and keep our covenant with the Lord, but we can't. And so there's time to time where we understand that now for us, that those are that are in Christ, it's, it's not about us making sacrifices or us doing anything, but us relying on in faith that God is fulfilling this through His Son and giving all of ourselves to Him, but that we need that time to recommit ourselves to the Lord and His teaching and allowing His Word to grow us and to sanctify us and to cut deep. And so I read from First uh, John earlier, and I want to read this section again and add a little bit more. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin... Maybe I didn't read this earlier, I forgot. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And 1 John 4, 10 says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, that God loves us, right? That God provides for us. He knew that we couldn't do it. He knew we were an imperfect people, that we were in need of something more. Um, and so what is it that He does? He does what He always does. He provides for us. He provided His Son. He provided that atoning sacrifice to, to cover our sin, our rebellion, our disobedience, and to cleanse us so that we can now um, be raised to walk in newness of life. And so we're thinking about all of these things that we need to constantly realign ourselves like they did with the Word. And as a church here at Fellowship, right, we're trying to rise up and build and do just that. 
right? That's our, that's our focus. We're trying to build the, the God's kingdom, not our own kingdom, not the fellowship kingdom. We're trying to focus on what God is doing and pointing people to him because he is the great almighty one, our creator, our redeemer, our king, right? And so let's make sure we think through those things. And I wonder as we're working through all of that, is there something that God's working on with you today or through this that you're thinking about or something that popped into your head or into your heart that the Holy Spirit's been stirring or moving within you? Is there that need for a recommitment today? Is there a need um, for you to give something up that God's been asking you to give up for a while? Or what is it that God is showing that that needs changing in your life or in your family or with your time or with your giving? Is God calling you to give specifically to a ministry or a missionary or uh, a family in need or to actually start giving consistently? So let me encourage you with any of those things as they come up to do two parts to that. Pray through that. Pray about that. Pray with someone on that. And two, take some action steps moving forward to deal with that. Encourage you to to submit and obey to what the Lord's calling you to do. Because there's no better place to be than in His will, right? Man, and that's the the best feeling that you get to me, is knowing in those times, even in my imperfection, when God reveals to me, okay, this is what I've asked you to do, Matt, and I'm trying to do that, and he's, he's actually providing the, the resources to that. He's providing my steps um, uh, and showing me that I'm within his will. Man, there's no better place to be than in the Father's will. Such joy, such peace that's there. So I pray that if there's something within that today, that you would come talk with one of us later um, down here at the front when the the prayer team comes later. Yes, or call someone and talk to them and tell them, make that verbal contract. Yeah, that's okay too. But see what the Lord is doing in you and be obedient to that. Would you join with me in prayer? God, you're such a wonderful God. And we can think about how awesome it is to praise you, (laughs) to worship you today in spirit and in truth. And I pray that we are able to do that. I pray that you would cut to our hearts, that we would constantly be reminded, and and I'll say it strongly, Lord, be humbled uh, um, about who you are. Because you are worthy to be praised. Thank you for teaching us the lessons that you have taught us. Thank you for working in our lives and drawing us near to you. Drawing us near to the throne of grace through your son by the power of the spirit. It is such a wonderful thing, God, to see how you're still moving. You are alive and active. 
And your word is alive and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it is cutting down past um, uh, the muscle, past the bone, to our spirit. And so I pray if there's someone here today that does not know what a mighty God you are, that you would draw them near to you, that there would be confession. They would confess that they are um, uh, sinful, that they are not worthy, um, but that they realize you are. They realize that there is a need for who you are and to be made righteous through your son Jesus and his life and his death on the cross for our sins and that he was buried, but that he rose again God, it's such a joy to think through the gospel message and how you're bringing us from death to life. And we can't do that on our own. We need you. God, we need you. So please work in these uh, people's lives today. Help them to ask those questions, to spend time in prayer, and then to spend time in action, not just thinking of things, but actually following through. Give them the strength, the endurance in their faith to trust in you, um, whether it's to do something different in their giving, whether it's to do something different in their family, whether it's doing something different with their time or their resources, or um, just as they serve here. Help us to be a body of believers that's here at Fellowship that wants to fully serve you, Lord, and that you would teach us what our gifts are um, and that we would understand that whether we're, when we think about the body of Christ, whether we're a, a hand or a foot or a heart or an ear or a tongue or a mind, that each one is necessary and you use us, God, for your glory and also for our good. Thank you for loving us in that way. Thank you for choosing us when we constantly chose anything else above you. And God, thank you that when we are faithless, you remain faithful. We surrender our hearts and our minds to you and our wills, asking that you bless this place at fellowship as we're continuing to rise up and build, and then even in our homes, in our individual lives, and in our families. Help us to bring glory to your name. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you will do. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I was about to walk off, but I'm not because I went long. Um, Okay.